Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. On this program, let's learn lessons from the Last Supper. I don't, but do you remember the Last Supper you had with your mom or dad before they died? I was watching a documentary on Ricky Nelson, the singer in the 1950s and 60s, Hello, Mary Lou. They were interviewing his adult son who said, I would give everything I own if I could have five more minutes with my dad. <laughs> I think the closest we get to God on earth, the, when we can have another moment with our Lord, is when we take the Last Supper, Holy Communion. Let's look at the final hours of Christ on what's called Maundy Thursday night. The disciples have been with Jesus for three years. They heard his teaching, they saw his miracles, but then they had their Last Supper with him. And that Last Supper was such an inspiring meal. We've been celebrating it ever since when we take Holy Communion. So would you take out your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 26, and let's learn lessons from the Last Supper. Let's pray first. Father, we pray that you will teach us in this program how we are to feed on Christ and turn away from the sickening meal that the world serves up. And may we all turn to Christ and feed on the one meal that'll make us healthy. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 26, Jesus' last night on earth, we're going to start at verse 29. Excuse me, verse 20. Now when evening had come, Jesus was reclining at table with the twelve disciples. Here's the first lesson I want you to get from the Last Supper. Jesus was not a loner. This is Jesus' last night on earth. He knows that. And he knows the disciples are going to run away from him that night. But he still chooses to be with these fallible disciples on his last night. He was not a loner. I got a letter this week. Pastor Brock, my husband, and I were attending a church. And then we stopped. And not one person called us or said, we miss you. So we don't go to church anymore. We just watch you on television. I wrote him back. I said, don't do that. I mean, uh, maybe you need to confront them and say, we were hurt that nobody uh, contacted us. Maybe you need to forgive them, but you just don't withdraw. Uh, do you have somebody? Do you have friends in your life? You know, it, it, Jesus was not a lone ranger. There are no lone ranger Christians. I get nervous when people write, Pastor Brock, you're our church now. No, I mean, if you can't get out, okay. But if you can get out, Every Christian, Hebrews 10.25, is to be part of the church. And yes, they're fallible. Everybody is. So are you. Forgive people and go back to church. 
Look at verse 21. And as they were eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Here's the next lesson. The church had, has always had hypocrites. Jesus has a little church of 12 men. One of them, Judas, will be a hypocrite. There have always been hypocrites in the church. There always will be. Look at verse 22. And being deeply grieved, the disciples, each one began to say to Jesus, Surely not I, Lord. Here's the next lesson. Deep down, we all know we're hypocrites. Why else would each disciple have said, Well, is it me, Lord? Am I going to betray you? I think we know if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we'd all deny Christ. I remember once when I was an assistant pastor, the senior pastor said to me, did I ever tell you how I got Roy in church? And he said, Roy's wife and children would come to church all the time. Roy never came to church. So one day I knocked on his door. Roy, don't you think you should be in the house of God worshiping the Lord with your wife and children? And Roy said, oh, Hope Lutheran Church, full of hypocrites. And this, the pastor said, Roy, room for one more. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the truth. Um, we're all hypocrites, which is why we need the church. We're sinners. We need a Savior. Verse 23. Sorry, I got lost. Here we go. And Jesus answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him, but woe to that man through whom the Son of Man is betrayed, Judas. It would have been better for him if he had never been born. Sometimes people ask me the question, do you think Judas went to hell? I think the answer is, yeah. I think that's what this verse means. It would have been better had Judas never been born, which leads to the next lesson. Hell is for hypocrites. Now you might think, wait a minute, you just said we're all hypocrites. Well, we are, but there's two kinds of hypocrites. Hypocrite number one knows he's a hypocrite. It grieves him when he becomes a hypocrite. He repents and he comes to Christ for forgiveness. But then there's hypocrite number two. He, he's a hypocrite doesn't mind being a hypocrite, kind of lives as a hypocrite his whole life, never repents, never come to Christ. For number two, hell is for hypocrites. Something tragic happened this week. I used to be part of the very liberal evangelical Lutheran church in America. A handful of us pastors for years tried to turn that liberal unbiblical denomination around. Finally, we left and we joined more uh, biblical Lutheran denominations, but the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America has had two practicing homosexual bishops now, a man with a husband. You know what they did this week? They elected their first transgender bishop in the ELCA Lutheran Church. This is a woman who presents herself as a man and she likes to be called they. You know what's tragic about that? If you don't repent of your hypocrisy, if you live in it, according to 1 Corinthians 6, you're not going to heaven. Yes, we're all hypocrites, we're all sinners, but do you repent? Do you come to Christ? Do you fight your sin? Or do you openly live in it and tell people nothing's wrong with what I'm doing? Hell's for hypocrites. 
Read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. Fornicators, idolaters, homosexuals, these, etc., will not inherit the kingdom of God. We all sin, but do you live in it or do you repent? Look at verse 25. And Judas, who was betraying Jesus, answered and said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Next lesson. Expect people to lie. Judas is lying in this verse. He knows full well it's him because he's got the money in his pocket. A few verses earlier he got paid for what he's going to do to Christ. So he, he knows he's the hypocrite. People lie and we lie well. <laughs> a few days ago I was with some friends and we played a game. Tell a truth about your childhood and tell a lie about your childhood. And then we each did that and we had to guess which lie which is true. It was really hard because we really know how to lie well. That's the human condition, sin. All right, look at verse 26. And while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. This is Holy Communion now is founded on that verse. Here's the next lesson. We need to feed on Christ. You know, I like it when I go to a church and they take communion every Sunday. I, I love to take communion because I need it. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. Do you regularly feed on Christ? And what I mean, do you pray every day? Do you read your Bible regularly? Do you go to church every week? Do you take Holy Communion? I, I will tell you, if you're feeding on the world, like the internet and TV, 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 you're going to get sick. But if you feed on Christ, you'll be healthy. I, uh, I read a survey, and this is an old survey, so it's probably gotten worse. 35% of Americans now believe that premarital sex is wrong. Only 35%. That is a huge change from decades ago. And I wonder, well, what is it that's changing people's opinion on that? They're watching TV. So I got a, a phone call from somebody that sees the show. Pastor Brock, I'm a pastor's uh, son, uh, and I divorced my wife, and now I'm living with my girlfriend, and yes, we are having sex. Do you think that's wrong? I said, yeah, 1 Corinthians 6, fornicators don't go to heaven. Well, yeah, but if I stop having sex with my girlfriend, she's going to get mad at me. And I said, who are you going to fear, your girlfriend or almighty God? My point to him is, you need to stop feeding on the world and get back to church and feeding on Christ. Let's look at verse 27. And Jesus took a cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is shed for you. And if you read the same story in the Gospel of Luke, it adds the word, This is the new covenant in my blood. Here's the next lesson. We need a new covenant. The old covenant with the Jews didn't work. Here's what Old Testament Jeremiah says, verse 31 of Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, house of Judah, not like the old covenant which I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, 
though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And here's the new covenant. I will put my law within them. I will write it upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Do you know how blessed you are as a Christian to be part of the new covenant? And do you know what the new covenant is? It's in this verse. It's in Christ's blood. That means his atonement. So here's the new covenant. God agrees to forgive your sins because of Christ's death on the cross, and he'll put the Holy Spirit within you and cause you to walk in his statutes. Again, let me repeat that. The new covenant is, when you take communion, God is putting you under the blood of Christ by which your sins are forgiven, and you are filled with the Spirit to obey the Lord. Look at the rest of verse 28. Matthew 26, verse 28. This is the blood of the covenant which is shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. Here's the next lesson. We need the forgiveness of sins. I think that's why Jesus gave us the, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. It's for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I remember many years ago when my Lutheran grandpa was dying, my Lutheran mom seemed to me to be just a little too insistent that grandpa get communion right before he died. <laughs> and she didn't say this, but I got the impression if he doesn't get communion right before he dies, he's not maybe going to make it. And you know, it doesn't work that way. Your sins are already forgiven if you're a believer in Christ. Uh, if you die from your pew on the way to the communion table, you're, you're going to heaven because in Christ your sins are forgiven. All right, then if my sins are already forgiven through Christ, why do I need Holy Communion? And I think there's an answer to that. To assure my guilty heart that my sins are forgiven. I mean, I've got a conscience, you've got a conscience. Don't you ever get condemned in your conscience that you're so evil, you're so sinful, God, God wouldn't forgive what you did last week. That's why I need to run up and take communion and hear the words, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. It's not like we're not forgiven otherwise, it's just the assurance to our guilty hearts. Years ago, a man was found frozen to death in a cabin in Alberta, Canada. In his frozen hand was a letter. Dear Mother, it is so cold. All my food has run out. I don't know if anyone is coming to rescue me, but the one thing I wonder, Mother, is, will God forgive my sins? You don't need to die like that. That's why Jesus gave us Holy Communion, to assure us that through the blood of Christ, all of our sins are forgiven. It's the new covenant. Now, look at verse 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine, the wine, from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Here's the next lesson. We need a foretaste. When you take Holy Communion, you are getting a foretaste of the great feast to come. When Christ returns in the clouds, all believers of all time will sit around what's called the banquet table of the Lord, and then we will share the fruit of the vine with Jesus Christ again. That's going to be the great day. And years ago, I bought this book, Slave Songs of the United States. 
these are great songs. This is what the black slaves would sing in the early 1800s to get them through this life. I'm gonna sit at the welcome table. I'm gonna sit at the welcome table one of these days, hallelujah. I'm gonna sit at the welcome table. Gonna sit at the welcome table one of these days. I'm gonna see my savior Jesus. And they sang these songs. It was their foretaste of the feast to come. That's what happens when we take communion. And then look at verse 30. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Here's the next lesson. Sing when you're stressed. Maundy Thursday night was very stressful for Jesus. When he gets to the Mount of Olives, he'll get on his knees and he will sweat blood. Maundy Thursday night was very stressful for the disciples because they denied Jesus. So what do you do when you're stressed? Well, Jesus has them all sing a hymn. <laughs> I was on the radio this week and the question was asked, what do you do when you're, you're stressed? And I said, I love to sing the old sad hymns like, Come ye disconsolate, where'er ye languish, come to the mercy seat, fervently kneel. Here bring your wounded hearts, here tell your anguish. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. I mean, there's so many good old sad hymns. I love to sing those when I'm stressed. Do you know in, in 1912 when the Titanic sunk, the orchestra was playing nearer my God to thee while the Titanic sunk. If your Titanic is sinking right now, you're really stressed and going through, through a rough time, get out an old hymn book and just sing some of the old sad hymns. Last lesson is verse 31. Jesus said to the disciples, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, even though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Here's the last lesson. If you are defensive, you will miss a blessing. Notice how defensive Peter is. I'm, they might deny you, I won't, and he did. Uh, but did you see the blessing he missed? Jesus just predicted that he's going to rise from the dead. It went like this over Peter's head because Peter as Duke said, well, I, I'm not going to deny you. And sometimes, hear this, when somebody criticizes you, slow down, take a deep breath, and hear them out. God might be trying to talk to you. <laughs> but if you're up defensive all the time, you might miss the blessing God has for you. I mean, I, I, uh, I will tell you, I, when I was at my church for 29 years, now and then somebody would come through the, the line when I'm shaking hands and kind of bark at me about something. <laughs> that didn't set well. But you know, I remember one day a, a woman, Pastor Brock, can I come over to the church? There's something I'd like to talk to you about. I said, sure. She comes to the office. Oh, can we pray first? I want to make sure I do this right. And we prayed and, and she criticized me about something. But she was so nice and humble and kind. There's no way I couldn't hear her. I remember a different time I, I made a joke about something in a sermon. One of the men of the church kindly took me aside. You know, Tom, 
you probably shouldn't say that in a sermon. And I needed to hear that. <laughs> so if you're being criticized, uh, hear that out. And if you're the criticizer, be nice. So here is what I learn from the Last Supper. Let's see if we can put it all together here. Let's see if I can remember what I just preached. <laughs> Jesus was not a loner. Get into a good church and don't stay home from church. Yeah, they'll let you down, but you lead, left people down too. Um, the church has always had hypocrites. Deep down, we all know we're hypocrites. Hell is for hypocrites if you don't repent and come to Christ. Expect people to lie. Uh, we need to feed on Christ. We are part of the new covenant. We need the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we need a foretaste of the feast to come. Um, uh, what's the next one? Anyway, if you are criticized, slow down and hear the people out. Well, that is what we learned from Jesus last night on earth. And now we'll go to our question time. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we ask Pastor Brock questions regarding the Bible. Pastor Brock, what happens when we take communion? Yeah, I want people to know when they go up for communion what's going on and five things. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. We're in the presence, the real presence of Jesus Christ. So you're, you're with Christ at the Last Supper, Lord's Supper. So you have the real presence of Christ. Second thing, he said, do this in remembrance of me. So we're remembering his death on the cross for our sins. So you get the real presence, you remember. And then he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming his death until he comes. So it's kind of like I'm preaching a sermon that I need this. Mm -hmm. uh, and then shed this blood of the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. So God assures us through communion that our sins are forgiven. And then he says, I won't drink the fruit of the vine with you till I do it new in my Father's kingdom. We get a foretaste. So next time you take communion, everybody, you're getting the real presence of Christ. You're remembering what he did for you on the cross. You're proclaiming, you're preaching a sermon. You get a assurance that your sins are forgiven and you get a foretaste of the feast to come. Do you need to be a Christian to take communion? Yes. Now, everybody has believed that for 2,000 years. The new liberalism that has invaded a lot of our mainline Protestant denominations, some of these pastors are saying everybody gets mm -hmm. communion. Doesn't mean doesn't need mean you have to be baptized first. Yes, you do. Doesn't mean you have to be a believer in Christ. Everybody come to the table. That is evil. You know, Mona, in 1 Corinthians 11, mm -hmm. Paul the Apostle says God is killing some of the Christians because they're getting drunk on Holy Communion. Mm -hmm. Yes, it matters what you right. do with communion. So don't take communion if you're not a believer. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 11, it says to take communion in a worthy manner. But is anybody worthy to take communion? Yeah, again, that's 1 Corinthians 11 where people were getting drunk on communion. Okay. That's what he means. Nobody's ever, nobody will ever be worthy to partake of Christ's body and blood. But what Paul means is you don't get drunk on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Some churches won't let visitors take communion. What do you think about that? Is that right? I th you know, here, here, I was raised Lutheran, but I was dad was Catholic. Mm -hmm. So dad went to Catholic church every Sunday. I went to Lutheran church with mom every Sunday. And when I was, I don't know, a young adult, I went up to the priest at dad's Catholic church and it was midnight mass for, 
for Christmas. Do you mind if I take communion? He said, yeah, I do. <laughs> and so it's the Catholic rule and it's the Lutheran rule. If you're a Lutheran, uh, uh, you're not supposed to take uh, communion at a Catholic church. And Catholics aren't supposed to take communion at a Lutheran church. Now people break it and violate it. I like to, mm -hmm. I like to honor the rule at the church I'm at so I don't go up at, at a Catholic church for communion. Exactly. Plus there's some pretty big differences theologically that would keep me probably from doing that. I noticed at the Catholic church, sometimes they don't want you to take communion, but they say you can come up and have a blessing. And yeah, th that's one way you can handle it. Yeah. Okay, Yeah. good. Do uh, different denominations view communion differently? And you just they touched do. on that. Like, I'm a Lutheran. Lutherans, Catholics, and Episcopalians believe in the real presence of Christ, that Christ is really there mm -hmm. in, with, and under the bread and wine. Uh, the other denominations tend to believe he's only symbolically there. So that's one, one of the differences, yeah. Do you think it's a good idea to take communion on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, or? I like taking it every week. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, as often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me, so I think, I don't think there's a hard, fast scripture that says you have to take communion every week, but why not? Why not? <laughs> you know what, what uh, uh, somebody says, well, we, we want to make it special, and if you do it every week, it's not going to be special. Well, we sing hymns every week. Exactly. We listen to a sermon every week. Right. We read the scriptures every week. Yes. Uh, you know, so come on. Yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> is it ever right to withhold communion from someone? Well, I think when someone is living in impenitent sin, mm -hmm. Paul says not to even eat with such a one. Hmm. So if there's a some, now he's not talking about unbelievers, you're gonna have dinner with an unbeliever, but if somebody says he's a believer mm -hmm. and is living in impenitent sin, Paul says don't even eat with that brother and sister, talking about normal food, but especially Holy Communion. Mm -hmm. So I think I've had to, as a pastor, say, you know, until you stop living with your boyfriend, you can't have communion here. It's hard to do, but I do it out of love to wake them up. Right, Yeah. and they're hopefully willing to change. Yeah. Why do Catholics only offer the bread and not the wine? It depends on the Catholic Church. There are a lot of Catholic churches now where you can get the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. And all the other churches you get the bread and the wine because that's the way Jesus gave it. Okay. So I, I don't like the fact that some people just take the bread. Take the bread and the wine, yeah. Do I need to confess my sins to a priest before I take communion? Well, real quick, in the Catholic Church, you're supposed to confess your sins to the priest before okay. you take communion. I think that's an extreme. I don't see a verse like that in the Bible. The other extreme, though, is Protestantism, where you never confess your sins to anybody. Mm -hmm. That's not good either. James 5 says confess your sins to one another, but it doesn't say it has to be a priest. Okay, so just yeah. to somebody else. I, yeah, and again, you don't have to do it every time, but it's healthy. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Well. I just want to say, do we have an update that you want well, to give us? Well, you know, or? everybody, thanks for your prayers and your giving. And uh, we uh, are on the air because of your prayers and your gifts. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time at the Pastor Study. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's,
or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.